Craig's right, I am going to read from 1 Corinthians 3, verses 8 through 13. The first seven verses deal with a pastor, but the qualifications for deacon are very similar in verses 8 through 13, so Paul doesn't let anybody off the hook. Deacons likewise must be serious, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, nor greedy for gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, and let them also be tested first. Then if they prove themselves blameless, let them serve as deacons. The women likewise must be serious, no slanderers, but temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husband of one wife. Let them manage their children and their households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Bow with me. Fathers, we lay hands on Craig and James in a few minutes. We thank you for them, for their families. It's probably no coincidence that they were raised in Christian homes and had that foundation. And so help us all be aware of that need and um, just raise children and grandchildren to love and serve you that they might one day uh, be elevated to the office of servanthood of deacon. Help us take these qualifications seriously and never cut back on any of them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In 1977, Ronald Zamora was a 15-year-old boy on trial in Miami, Florida for killing an elderly woman. In his defense, the cause was given, um, his defense was intoxication with television violence. Specifically, Ronald watched episodes of Kojak. And that was blamed because it was his favorite TV program. The lawyer built his defense on the fact the boy had problems with the models he had chosen for his life. Do you remember Kojak? Who was that, Telly Savalas? A long time ago. All of us have models for life and all of us need good models. I sometimes wonder at the models that the media holds up for us because usually it's an athlete or an actor whose character is questionable. But we are here this evening saying we want models for our lives to come out of scripture. And I want us to think this evening about electing deacons. What qualifications should a deacon have? What do we need to look for in the model of servanthood deacons? And I I like that idea of a servanthood deacon because the idea of a deacon who sits in a boardroom and makes decisions and hands them down is no longer the model of a deacon. The, the, The New Testament model and the model in churches today is that of a deacon who serves. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Literally, the word deacon, the Greek word is diakonos. Dia means through, konos means dust. So a deacon is someone who goes through the dust. And the model is that actually of a waiter who scurries through the dust on a dirt floor to wait on the tables of his customers. So so he's serving, he's, he's scurrying and stirring up dust as he serves. That is the word for deacon. What are the qualifications that Paul lists for us through Timothy here this evening? First of all, it's... I worked hard to get this alliterated with F. So first one is his fabric. Verse 8. Serious, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for gain. Basically, his character, his fabric, he must be a person of integrity. He should be thoughtful and capable of making decisions, not scatterbrained, mature, reasonable, logical. 
The New English Bible says, not indulging in double talk. It says here, double tongued. It literally means speaking with two voices. Do you remember when Indians used to say that white man speaks with forked tongue, saying one thing, doing another? One translation says a deacon should be a straight shooter, just someone who says what he does and does what he says. Not given to much wine, a person of self-control, not overindulgent, moderate in all things, not greedy for money, but earning his living honorably and honestly, setting an example as a good steward of his resources, both in how he makes his money and how he gives it. One translation says not pilfering, but, but honest his character and integrity above reproach. That's his fabric. Secondly, his faith. Hold to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. He's to know Christ and be a born again believer, to share his faith naturally and unashamedly, have the respect of the church and community and upright person, hold to the faith with a clear conscience. We need deacons who are willing to lead by serving. And I've always believed that the the higher you lead is brought about by how willing, how low you're willing to serve. I remember years ago, Billie Jean King, you remember the female tennis player? She tried, she retired and she tried to make a comeback uh, playing Chris Everett, Chris Everett Lloyd, who was considerably younger in quarterfinals. Everett not only beat Billie Jean, but she stomped her. And in commenting on it, someone asked Chris how she did that, and she said that Billie Jean no longer had the fire in her eyes. Everett knew she'd beat King when she looked in her eyes and saw there was no fire there. So a deacon should have a commitment to Christ and to this church by having a fire in his heart and soul manifested in his attendance and his stewardship and his attitude that attracts others to the faith. So his fabric, his faith, Thirdly, is faithfulness in verse 10. Tested first. If they prove themselves blameless, let them serve as deacons. Now, as Craig said, nobody's going to be blameless. We're all going to make mistakes, but we have a Savior. What this verse is saying is let them prove themselves and not be a new convert. Persons ordained as deacons should be members long enough. The congregation will have the opportunity to judge their sincerity, their gifts, their maturity. No doubt their capability in getting the job done because they have already proven themselves faithful in other areas of the church. Everybody has a gift. Christians have spiritual gifts. So what makes a person qualified for deacon? How they carry out those gifts. Newt Rockney was asked why he allowed scouts from other teams to watch his practices at Notre Dame. Wasn't he afraid they'd steal his plays? He said, it isn't the play that wins the game. It's the execution. So select persons among you as deacons who have proven themselves capable of executing the responsibilities you give them. If they've already proven themselves faithful in little, you can trust them to be faithful in much. Fourthly, the family. The wife, verse 11 Women likewise must be serious, no slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. There are two translations actually possible here. It may refer to the qualifications for a deacon's wife. It may refer to a female deacon, the women likewise, serious. In the early church, there were female deacons who instructed the women candidates for baptism and ministered to the needs of the women of the congregation. 
Phoebe as a deacon in Romans 16.1. But most people usually think of this verse as referring to the deacon's wife, supportive of her husband and the church, equally qualified as is her husband. They are to be women of high principle, temperate persons of discretion and self-control, not gossips, confidence repeaters, slanderers, trustworthy in every way, faithful in all things, loyal to Christ and the church. It's interesting in the New Testament, women were treated as equals, given responsibilities, served in areas of leadership in the church. And when you think about it, that was radical in the first century world where women outside the church were largely seen as property, but inside the church given new dignity. Joy and Liz, it's as difficult to be the wife of a deacon as it is to be a deacon because she shares the call. I did notice that both of y'all are wearing black this evening as if you're in mourning. (laughs) But it is a serious call. In my first church in seminary, I was pastor four and a half years. And the entire time I was there, the wife of the deacon chairman never darkened the doors of the church. He was a good man, but her lack of support and encouragement, I think, prevented him from being the best deacon he could be. So we elect as deacons those who have the support of their family and whose family already supports the church. Verse 12, let deacons be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their households well. This was, a lot of people think this is uh, just a husband and wife, I think this is more a translation about polygamy, the husband of one wife, because in Paul's day, a lot of people had several wives. That was common. He can't press this verse too far, though, because remember, it was written by Paul, who didn't have a wife at all. And I doubt he would be disqualifying himself from the office of deacon. The deacon is to set a high standard in morality and family manage his family well, and demonstrating he can lead the church, which is the family of God, because he has led his own family well. Finally, verse 13, those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and great confidence in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Deacons who serve well have a high standing in the community of faith. Folks in this community will know that you're a deacon at First Baptist Church and how you conduct yourself in the community at large will be a reflection on this church. If you do well, you will gain great confidence in the faith and the right to speak openly on matters of the Christian faith. We don't know the names or biographies of all the deacons in the New Testament, but we know of two. One was Stephen, and the other was Philip. Stephen was stoned to death because of his faith as a witness outside the city wall of Jerusalem. Philip was an effective witness with the Ethiopian eunuch and was greatly used of the Lord. Paul tells us that to be a deacon, your character needs to be tested. You need to have a deep faith. You need to have a commitment to the church over a period of time, a supportive family, a good marriage, and a well-managed home. There may be several people who combine these qualities, but the last quality is the most important of all, and that's the most rare, a deacon who has the heart of a servant. 
As I said at the outset, long gone are the days where deacons simply meet once a month, make decisions, and then disband for another month. They are not the most powerful or the wealthiest or the most popular. They are those who have proven themselves to be servants of all and faithful ambassadors of Jesus. Already giving of their time and talents and their resources to serve the Lord in this church, who are here when the doors are open, who don't get burned out, who desire to have fellowship with other Christians and desire others to share that fellowship too. Someone asked a little boy to define what a deacon is. And he said, a deacon is something you set on fire and put on a hill. I hope he was describing a beacon rather than a deacon. But there are similarities. The challenge to those who would be a deacon is to be a beacon for Christ in our church and our community by being one who serves. It's a high calling, few were equal, but by electing James and Craig, I think we're raising the bar and providing models for younger Christians by electing those who serve. Bow with me. Father, the bar is high, and there are none completely equal to it. But for Craig and James, and for the other good men of this church who have been elected to that office, we pray your hand of protection would be upon them, each and every one of them, that when they're out in this community, what they say and do would be a, a positive reflection on this church and would draw people to you. Help all of us realize the models we are setting, the children who are watching. Help us be faithful to the calling you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen.